Hello Huns! Today you're all Huns, whether you like it or not, because my guest in today's episode is founder of Hunsnet, Gareth Howells. If you don't know what Hunsnet is, don't worry, it will soon all become so much clearer. And once it's clear, I hope it will open up a whole new entertaining world to you. Gareth's book that I mentioned during our chat has genuinely had me smiling and reminiscing times in my teenage years that I'd genuinely forgotten about. Um, so it was really nice to have them resurface and feel sort of nostalgic. I actually think his actual turd becomes clearer towards the end of our chat and I reckon it's one many of us can relate to and the lessons he's learned are pretty priceless. It's worth mentioning that I sounded ever so tired during the chat <laughs> and that's because I really was. It was perhaps not an ideal day to be doing a podcast recording but I just don't know how I'm going to feel from one day to the next on this current chemotherapy that I'm on. But what I do know is that these chats do give me an energy boost, believe it or not. And being in the presence, even if it's over the internet, of a fellow turd haver and glitterer is really great and makes me feel less alone. I mean, sure, yeah, I did need a nap after we finished recording. Um, but my brain juices are buzzed and topped up. Anyway enough about me as ever please tell every single person you know about this podcast and leave a glowing review but only if it's good so anyway enjoy today's turd chat i'll see you on the other side today i have the pleasure of speaking with gareth howells who is the founder and director of pop culture influenced funny meme page hunsnet if you are a follower of that, you already know what that means. If not, don't worry. Gareth is here to explain what a hun is. He's also written a book to explain it in even greater detail called The Fundamental Guide to Life, which is what I'm reading at the moment. And I was chuckling in bed last night, um, mainly because I am, you know, I understand all the cultural references from the 90s and it had me reminiscing some fun moments in my teenage years um so thank you for that but yeah welcome to the turd chat <laughs> i love i love a thursday turd chat i don't know about you it's it's not very often i have them but i've been looking forward to this all week so <laughs> i've been storing up oh, my turds till thursday <laughs> amazing amazing let's intro your turd what is it you want to bring to the table today so my turd, I've been thinking about this. I mean, I've had a lot of turds in my life, but um, I think the one thing which I would like to bring to the table is kind of like how Hunsnet started for me, really, because, well, let's go way, way back. I used to be a Pontins blue coat back in the day, which was my sort of growing up dream. My family used to go on holidays to Pontins um, and I was like, oh, I'd love to be a Pontins blue coat. And for anybody who doesn't know what a Pontins blue coat is, it's basically one of those cheesy holiday camp entertainers who entertains people at the seaside. And that was my life um, ambition. And then what I, I came and did it and I, I was kind of like, no, you can't live at the seaside next to a fairground all your life you know you can't you can't do that so um you know you you need to get a proper job sort of thing and to cut a long story short um I was living in Burnham-on-Sea which is down in deepest darkest Somerset and then yeah it was a case of right well I'm going to go back to Wales where I grew up and I'm going to get a proper job didn't actually know what that proper job was going to be and because my only experience was 
singing, dancing and acting a fool at the seaside. I couldn't get a job back in back at home. I tried at H&M when it first started back in Cardiff. And then, yeah, I got into a situation where I was kind of unemployable because I didn't have any sort of real world experience, so to speak. It was all sort of based around entertainment. And then after that, then um, I went to the Dominican Republic and became a wedding planner, which um, which was random for yeah. a couple of years, um, which was which was fun and random, but um, all good the same. And then I was stuck in the similar situation again, really, of you know you can't live in the uh, in the in the poor man's Caribbean for the rest of your life doing weddings. You know you've got to do something. And then a friend of mine actually said to me, um, "We've just taken over a contract and we're looking for singers to go out to Greece." Um, and I sang a little bit while I was at Pontins. And Greece, the country, not the musical, uh, by the way. So I went to Greece for, to be a singer for a couple of years. And once again, had this, you can't live in Greece and living out of two suitcases for the rest of your life. Who was telling you this, by the way? Was it you're just in a grown up or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was me sort of saying, no, you can't do this. You know, that's silly. You've got to get this proper job sort of situation. And this is a bit of a recurring theme um, that happened to me throughout my 20s. You know, it was like, oh, you know, you've got to do this and you've got to, you know, you know you've got to get a house and you've got to do all the things that, that society says you've got to do. And I think that that's, that kind of just sort of suppressed any things of what I actually really like doing. Fast forward to 2017, I got a job becoming the head of entertainment for TUI Travel, um, which is uh, a package holiday, essentially a package holiday um, company, but it was sort of, it's a sort of worldwide operation. Um, and I was the head of entertainment for that. I was flying all around the world, you know, in these lovely hotels, supposedly living my best life. And it was horrible. I hated it so, so much. And I was in a really, really difficult situation because I was earning great money I'd managed to get all of the things that I wanted to you know thought that I needed you know my house my little flat with my boyfriend and you know life was supposed to be good and it wasn't I was in I've hated it I've had massive imposter syndrome it was very lonely and it was at that time that I thought I needed something to kind of perk me up um and I realized that you know, a lot of the times that I did find true joy and happiness was back in the noughties when I was a Pontins blue coat. And I can remember those times so vividly because, you know, I remember Big Brother coming out and how I felt about that. I, I remember all of the songs from there, you know, all steps, S Club 7, 5, um, you know, and, and sort of attaching all of that to these many, many people that I met on their holidays at this time. And I'm really fascinated by, you know, the way, you know, family dynamics and when people go on holiday, they literally give you everything, you know, especially if you work there, like, you know, the, the amount of stories and situations that people would tell you about. Um, I really found it enriching. And then sort of that's where sort of making memes and out of these pop culture references from the 90s and noughties sort of came from me. I was in my um, uh, office in, in Luton, essentially, you know, on calls all the time, doing nothing, being really bored, um, underneath the desk, making memes about Lisa Scott Lee from Steps. And then sort of I hid behind the account for a while just to, because it was just making me laugh. And it was something that I I used to make me and my friends laugh. Um, my mental health was probably at the lowest of, of my life during that time. 
and it was making these memes and this content and finding this community building online that sort of got me through it. And then beginning of 2020, um, January, I was, I was like, I need to get out of this job. It's not doing great for me. It's, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's making me feel bad. Didn't really like it. Didn't really see a way out. And then I found um, a new job coming back to London and it was working for a production company who were going to tour an immersive event for children um, in um, essentially an inflatable building, a huge inflatable building. And then COVID hit, (laughs) COVID hit. And um, we we all know what happened there. And, you know, a children's touring event in an enclosed space um, during that time was probably the, the worst position to be in. And I found myself at the beginning of March 2020 in a really, really precarious situation. I'd just started this job. We were in Docklands rehearsing. We had a big rehearsal site. COVID hit. We closed down the rehearsals. And I'd been working for this production company nine days and didn't qualify for furlough. So I was in an oh shit moment. What the hell am I going to do? And it was at that point then where I started to lean on the community that I'd found making my memes online you know I'd had I think I had about 30,000 followers on Instagram at that point and then I realized then that that, you know underneath the content that I was putting out people were finding joy in in a really dark time by reminiscing about the 90s and the noughties and silly memes and things Um, and it was at that time then where I was like I need to lean on this community to try and make some money out of this and to try and make a living and it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I've never really looked back since. You know, we we started doing online events, you know, every Friday night through lockdown. And we used to get people dialing in, you know, from all over the country, discos in the living room. And basically leading back onto all of the things that I learned at Pontins, you know, a bit of cheesy bingo, a quiz, um, you know, all the old tunes um, on a Friday night. And it was at that point then when I realised I needed to go back to what, I really, really, really loved and 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 really got joy out of, and, and and it was that. And then following from that, then when the sort of restrictions lifted, we took people offline from online into you know sort of um, live events, which we do sort of once a month now up and down the country. And yeah, I've just found pure joy from it, really. So it was a full circle moment. It really is. I was just going to sum up with like that is sounds very full circle because in the beginning you were trying to escape this actual job that you really loved because you didn't think that you could live by the sea and have fun for the rest of your life yeah and it's it's funny have you have you worked out because I can't seem to work out at what stage we're sort of brainwashed into thinking that we have to grow up yeah and that we have to become something that we don't actually want to become yeah. But the good thing about you is that you you did something about it, found something different and had the gumption to do that, realised that wasn't it either, and then kept growing. But looking back at it, what would you tell yourself? Like, you don't need to rush away from a job that you're loving. Yeah, I mean, it, exactly that. It was It was a case of, you know... If you genuinely love something, I think society and and people and other influences and media and, you know, this got to have this culture, got to have that culture can kind of steer you off course for what's actually really meant for you, you know. Um, and I, I really struggled with, the, you know, even when I started, you know, making memes and 
content online, I really struggled going, oh, you know, Gareth, you can't be that bloke from Instagram, you know, and do, do, who, who does the Lisa Scott Lee and the steps memes. And then actually I was forced into a, into a situation where I was like, well, actually I really enjoy being that person and I really enjoy doing this. So, so I need to do it. The good thing, the only thing, the only thing I will, will say is that I was 40 um, back in June and I'm glad that I've had those years of experience because it's it's allowed me to kind of grow up. I'm very mindful about what I post, you know, because making jokes online can date badly and things like that. And, you know, it's especially in the world that we live in and some of the amazing um, lessons that we've, you know, been re-educated from in, in, uh, about in, and, and uh, over the last few years. Um, I'm glad that, and also, you know, being 40, to have all of these references and memories and things from the past that we that, that I use in the content, it's kind of at the right time because I can remember everything that went on in 2004. can't remember what happened last week, but I can remember everything that went on in 2004. But um, yeah. And I can use that in, in my content. And I don't know about you, but like nostalgia is such, a, is such a warm hug, isn't it? And I think especially after the pandemic situation, our here and now is 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 pretty rubbish sometimes with all of the factors that are going on, you know, with with our own personal lives, but in the wider world, you know, the cost of living and everything. And I think that nostalgia and thinking about things through rose tinted glasses can make people feel good. And I think that that's a great place. Yeah. And I think the fact that you really stepped that up and you had to because you lost your job after just nine days and you went, right, I guess I'm just diving into this then. Uh, you know, during the pandemic, we needed some escapism and that that was the perfect escapism. I mean, I remember during, I, I wasn't necessarily looking back to the 90s, but I was looking back to music that I loved, you know, when I was a teenager and my friends and I had a Zoom session where we just played back-to-back bangers of things that we absolutely loved. It was mainly like rock and like indie music. And we went crazy singing into like kitchen utensils and stuff on zoom during the lockdowns and it was so good and it was one of the highlights i think one of the most memorable moments during those lockdowns is kind of letting loose to a time in our lives where things felt easier and more doable because everything felt so heavy during the pandemic so yeah i think you tapped into it at the perfect time actually I think uh, the great thing about it is that, um, as I said, you know, once a month at least we do live events where we get people all in a room. And my background is producing live content for for, for people to enjoy in in sort of on holiday. And when you play Shares Believe to a room full of two hundred Huns, it re- it just flicks that switch on, you know, it flicks that switch on. And all it is is a song from 1998, but it makes people feel so good. And, you know, all of these songs and people's lives have moved on from then, you know, the women have had children, the gay guys who come and, and the LGBTs, you know, they're more realised and everything. So they get to enjoy these moments and songs from back in the past in a different setting and just it's just such a joy to watch it really really is and it's such a feeling it it creates such a great feeling um because a lot of people who come to my events um you know they are like like i say mums they're girls from school who meet up twice a year and you know it's a real place for them to, to to let loose and to relive some of those those moments in a you know but under a different 
lens, you know, uh, you know, yeah. because everybody's that little bit older and more realised. And it's a real joy to watch. Is there a sense of you creating a, a space that you wish you'd had when you were younger? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, I didn't come out until I was 23. So I, my sort of formative years, I was even though I was at Pontins, which is the, probably the best place to come out, you know, what's more gayer than, what's <laughs> yeah. more gayer than, than, than being a blue coat at Pontins at 18? Um, yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. I think the great thing about this Hun culture space is, is that it's the perfect crossover, I think, between straight women culture and LGBTQ culture. And it's a real... It's a, it's, it's a real stake in the ground in the middle of that. And I think it's a... There's not many actual physical spaces that people can go because you know lgbt spaces need to be protected of course and things like that and we you know um, but then also i'm not going to go to all bar one with my girlfriend so when you know when we um when we put on these events there's a real cross-section of people who you might not get in you know you might see them see them in b&m or home bargains but you'll never see them you know in this setting and it's i think that's that's the key thing which i love about it is that there's this real crossover space where everybody can just be unashamedly themselves you know and 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 it's and and that's celebrated so yeah i think that's where you know that's where the hun culture thing for me is great because there's not many spaces you know where people can enjoy all of these references and all of these nostalgic moments together. Um, and, and that's why, you know, online, the great thing that I love, you know, it's not about, for me, Hunsnet and what I do online is not necessarily about the content that I'm putting out. It's the comments underneath, you know, and it's people going, oh, I remember this. And, you know, they'll tag their friend, uh, you know, something, there'll be a meme about, I don't know, I think I posted something yesterday about bottles of wine in the kitchen till 1am listening to Pure Garage 4, you know, and then somebody will go, oh God, that was us. That was, you know, do you remember this? And it's, it, for me, it's all about that community underneath, which has, which has been built around it, which is great. I'm um, just for anyone listening, thinking, I still don't really understand what Hunt is. Can you, I mean, you must do this every single day, <laughs> but can you sum up what a Hunt actually is? It is quite difficult to do because back in the day, I think this whole Hun thing came from, you know, somebody who would have a live, love, laugh photo frame, everything in their kitchen's rose gold. They're obsessed with Glade plugins. They love, you know, all of those. Um, the literal moment she got Fiat 500. But the great thing about how this has evolved is that people... And, and it's almost like people have this parallel life in Hun culture. So they might not be a literal Hun, but they will live vicariously through other Huns. So it's all about celebrating, you know, building people up as well, you know, and and it's it's this whole kind of what am I like mentality, which is around it. But, you know, you can be a literal Hun like that or, you know, somebody who is out there girl boss in it, you know, that's very hun. Um, you know, there's there's that whole, if you love soap matriarchs like Sharon from EastEnders and Peggy Mitchell and all like that, they're huns. You know, you've got, um, you've got somebody, uh, I use Lisa quite a lot, Lisa from Steps, who, you know, had that solo career situation in the noughties where she was built up to, to, to fail on Totally Scott Lee, but now we're re-celebrating her in a different way. There's a lot of, you know, it's it's that whole strong 
women mentality you know it's, it's about building women up and I'm very aware of the space that I'm in it's very kind of eight you know my followers are 80 percent female and I just I love it I think it's a great it's a great space yeah and I you know I've seen you you're quite keen to say and you said it in the book a few times that it's about laughing with not at yeah. and it's being inclusive and you know and it's about not taking anything too seriously but I guess you know when you've create these memes and I guess you don't always get um and you're doing it out of you know a place of love and appreciation and just like deep respect for this whoever this person is but has there been a backlash when you think that person absolutely does not identify as a hun and is very actually offended by that like has there been any um, backlash like that no I've well there's been two there's, in, in, I've been doing it now for five years um and there's only been two situations one situation was very recently because essentially just just for anybody who doesn't know about sort of how you know this meme culture exists essentially you take a moment from back in the day you know back in the day could be anything from last week to 1998 in my uh, in my thing so you take something from back in the day like an x-factor contestant a reaction that they have to something on the show and then you use that reaction to you know explain something that's going on today or in in your life in its most simple form and i actually used a quite famous x-factor contestant um piece of content and did exactly what i just said there about you know repurposing it and they messaged me and just said listen you know what this is really triggering for me you know i was on this show a long while ago i didn't have a great experience can you take it out i was like yeah of course of course no problem and I, and i understand that and 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 secondly i was i was asked to do a uh, a piece for a for a national newspaper about 6 months ago about why nadine dorries could be the new hun and i was like I don't think Nadine Dorries. I mean, I'm not. I don't. I'm not the gatekeeper of all Huns, you know. But yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. in in my world, I won't be celebrating Nadine Dorries as a Hun because her her views don't align with me. But yeah, so it's it's like anybody can be a bit of a Hun, and and people have different you know stars of the Hun show, um, different to me. You know, I love Lee Scott Lee. I love Ruth Langsford. I like Victoria Beckham. Um, and as I say, I'm not the gatekeeper of it, but I certainly won't be writing a piece on why Nadine Dorries could become the UK's next big hun. <laughs> no, it's the attention that she does not deserve. Yeah. Uh, and also, uh, you know, these these people that you are celebrating or, you know, really putting on a pedestal like Lisa Scottley um, from Steps, like they, they are, they tapped into something from our youth that is so innocent and joyful please tell me she was at your like did you have a big bash for your 40th and was she there she no, I didn't have a big bash for my 40th um because I, I really I really struggle with I love every, I, have, I have this saying I love the carnival but I don't want to be the queen right okay I love everybody else's party but I'm yeah I'm not a huge thrower of my own party um she did I've, ne- I've never actually met her in the flesh um but we we we, we converse a lot online and she wrote the foreword for my for the book so that was a really important thing for me um to have an actual literal hun write it um but you know what she's fabulous and she gets it you know I think to go back on what we were talking about earlier I think that there's a lot of Gemma Collins is a great example of this you know she puts out content that people are going to turn into memes and, and and it's become almost like a currency. Probably gone a little bit too far now with the Gemma Collins things, but I think there's great value in these celebrities 
embracing some of the this this sort of thing because it shows them in a in a in a light-hearted way you know I use Ruth Langsford quite a lot in the content um and people are like oh, I love Ruth she's the queen you know all of this and you know when Ruth's doing a QVC show selling her fab clothes on QVC there's little bits of of, of camp and stuff that they put into the production of that that is easily liftable and then to be repurposed as memes and I think it just shows somebody you know like Ruth in a different light to to how she may be you know when she was doing this morning or or loose women and I think that that's great I think the people who do embrace it I think it can work really well for them because it just shows them that they are light-hearted and they can take the mick out of themselves I think that that's great currency Absolutely. That gains a whole new level of respect, especially online. And I think given that there is so much hate and so much um, negativity online and people can be nasty, um, (laughs) they must feel relieved when they see a meme that is actually celebrating something a bit silly or fun about them rather than something like their body weight or, you know, and it, and it just like, maybe it just tips them over into, oh, thank goodness for that. I've made it in a, in, a, in a sense. Um, it must be quite a relief. Alison Hammond is another great example of of, of this. Mm. Alison Hammond, I, you know, is in, in in the world that I I live in. It's like she's literally got the world in her hand because you know she's she's girl bossing it. She's got a great presenter job. It's been a long road for her to get there. You've got to remember that Alison Hammond was a Big Brother contestant who went out week three or something like that. Everybody just loves Alison Hammond and. You know, I think the way that she, you know, and, and if somebody said to me they don't like Alison Hammond, I think I, I, I would be, I would immediately be a bit like on the back foot. You know, um, she's celebrated in this world so, so, so much because she's candid. She's, you know, she's had those faux pas, silly moments, and you know, with all the celebrities, and she just embraces it and just has that gung ho attitude, which I think is can kind of it's a strength to people to see people like that. Yeah. Can we go back to who you were, you know, when the sort of turd was sort of hitting for you and you realised, because there, there must have been moments like, what, it, what is my life? I can't seem to find joy in, in, in a serious job. But you did, probably didn't even know what serious and what you were meant to be doing. So how did you keep going? Because it takes a lot to kind of go, right, so this job isn't right, but I'm going to go to, to the Dominican Republic and do a job there. Like, how did that come about? Do you know what? So I was, I was, I was in, I remember it vividly. I think it was 2006 or 2007. I got back and I was living at my sister's and I was like, oh, well, I'm just going to, you know, get a job in Cardiff because it's going to be great. And then I was like, I saw a lot of friends going working overseas and it was much, much easier back in, in those days to, to kind of work overseas. It's really difficult to, you know, with Brexit and everything now. But back in those days, and, and, and I was literally, I've, you know, I've, I felt backed into a corner. I, I, I you know, I, my savings had, was, were close to running out. Um, I felt backed into a corner and I was like, it was the early days of the internet. And I remember going to the library and going on the first choice uh, website and looked at jobs abroad. And it was like a lot of things in my life which have happened to me. It's been these these quick snap decisions that have sort of changed my course and direction. And I applied on the Tuesday. I was interviewed in Crawley on the Thursday. And I touched down in the Dominican Republic on the Sunday afternoon. It was that sort of quick. 
And I remember, I, I mean, I don't know what I expected, what I was, what it was going to, but you know, like a lot of the, you know, these Caribbean islands that we visit, visit, you know, there is a lot of, you know, it, it, it's not all beach clubs and 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 all inclusive hotels. There's a lot of hardship and poverty and things like that. And I remember touching down, and I was like, oh my god, you know, this is going up on the coach, and there's people on the side of the road selling, you know, fruit and veg and it's yeah it was crazy but it was the best thing that I ever did because it got it it got me to I chilled out quite a lot when I was there you know if you can't if you can't chill out in the Caribbean you know it's that's the place to do it you know um and and just seeing a different side of life and I was there for a couple of years two and a half years maybe um and it was just it was great to see I became a lot less superficial going going there and experiencing, you know, that side of life on the other side of the world. When the opportunity was presented to me, I was like, right, yeah, let's go. And then five days, six days later, I'm like, oh, my God, you know, how has this happened? Why am I here? But I suppose it's all part of the plan. Ultimately, you can say that in hindsight, but yeah. I can think at the time it's it's quite hard. It takes guts to do that, given that, you know, you weren't sure what your life was going to become. No. You just have to have the faith that something will come of it. I think it's, as I say, it's really easy. You know, I think there's an instinct inside of side of us, which I think we should probably trust a little bit more. And, you know, that's something that I've, I've struggled with quite a, a lot throughout my life is, is, is going, is, you know, ha- having that feeling going, do you know what, everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine or because, or, or, or we'll deal with these things. And, you know, being completely honest, I've, you know, I, I go to therapy once a week. And that's something that I learn, you know, about learned about myself is, is you've got to be able to just trust yourself sometimes and that, that, that it is going to be fine, because, you know, you can you spend a lot of time worrying about stuff, and it can take up such a massive space. And that's kind of why I wanted to start the whole therapy thing was to just explore what I can do to manage that a bit better. And it's done me the the, the absolute world of good. Yeah. Therapy is great. But when you came out, so you said you came out when you were 23, did someone tell you at the time everything's going to be okay? Um, no, I mean, it was, I don't know why, actually looking back, back it's this is something which I've thought about quite recently. It was like, I remember the feelings at the time. I didn't want to be gay. I didn't want this to be happening to me. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't want, I didn't want it. And and I was, it was quite a, you know, everybody knew I was gay, um, but I just, it was, I didn't, I didn't have the, the courage to to do it when I was younger. You know, I think that's probably why I sort of escaped to the seaside sort of thing to sort of, to, um, to find myself there and. Um, yeah, it, I just remember being, and I feel quite bad about this now, look, looking back. At the time, I was like, oh, no, this can't be happening to me. This can't be happening to me. This can't be happening to me. Um, and do you know what, actually, you know, with, with hindsight and all these years down the line, it's 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 fine. It's brilliant. It's it's, it's okay. But, yeah. you know, I, I grew up in, in the valleys in South Wales, and um, there was no representation there or anybody who was out and things like that was, you know, it was a different time there was, ridiculed and stuff like that so it probably wasn't there was nobody there was no support network around me to kind of help me do that which um which I think you know I hope I can't speak on behalf of the young people today but I hope it's a lot easier for people I'm sure it's not for everyone but I hope it's a lot easier for people these days 
Yeah. And, and I think it's so interesting that when you reach Pontins, you're probably like, oh, I am with my people who are so accepting. I yeah. mean, I'm generalizing, but I would imagine that they yeah, would be. Yeah. And even then you were still like, this is, I don't want this. I don't want this. Yeah. 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 It's quite sad. It's, it's quite sad yeah, looking back. You can't back, make yeah. those life choices. It's who you are. Yeah. It's, um, it was looking back, it was, it was a re I was, I was probably quite, um, quite an angry person. Like, I think I, I, I think I can always remember at that time, always feeling angry about something. Um, and it was probably that, to be honest. But yeah, I, I, I like to, you know, sort of 20 years down the line, I'm not attracted to, to anger and things like that. No, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, I remember no, that, that time. But a lot more chilled out than I was when I was, when I was 20, put it that way. Yeah. Speaking of the sort of LGBTQ plus community, has a, I mean, I, I know not so gay people who are honest, I guess maybe they would describe it, I don't even know if they would describe it in this way, but a spectrum of levels of um, outward queerness and yeah. stereotypical uh, sort of queerness. And I wonder if there's ever been any sort of backlash on Hunsnet in terms of how you portray queer gay culture and if that doesn't fit right for some people and it kind of goes you're stereotype in this is a heavy stereotype that isn't true to me anymore yeah i think i think um that 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 has happened like once i think um mm, okay. to give it to give to give an example there was uh, there, there was a i made a meme of victoria beckham when she's getting married to uh, David Beckham and announce her engagement. And for the purpose of anybody who's listening to this um, and, and can't watch what I'm doing, it's the uh, proposing the ring like that. And it was, you know, it was from being a, a gay guy growing up in the 90s and noughties, you know, there was that whole hand gesture mm -hmm. of is, is he, you know. Yeah. Um, and it, at the time, if that ever happened to me at the time, I would, you know, I'd be like, oh, my God, that's, oh, God, I'd be so embarrassed about that. 20 years down the line, I find it funny now, is he, you know, you know, because I'm so assured with where I'm at with my, um, with my, my sexuality and, and, and where I'm at. But somebody wrote, that was like, that's really triggering to me, like that thing. And I was like, well, no, that wasn't the intention. But a lot of people, I think, I think, I think because what the age group of, of, of people that sort of are attracted to, to this whole hung culture and my page, they are people who are who are a bit more realised than themselves were back then, and I think that that is a big, massive celebration. That's the celebratory part of it, is finding, uh, you know, joy in in things that maybe were quite not great when you were growing up, you know, and just mm -hmm. looking at them a different way. I think it, I think it's I think it's always light hearted though, so it's not you know it's it's not that deep. It's I think they're probably intellectual people who probably look at this sort of content and go oh god that's so silly and tawdry but yeah a lot of the people who follow it are just you know just looking for a a, a bit of a bit of joy and a bit of a laugh and and don't take themselves that seriously and I suppose anybody who doesn't really like that sort of content then then they probably don't follow it either. I do love the sort of just lightheartedness of it yeah. and and you reminded me of things like groovy chick which i'd actually <sighs> forgotten about and like you know this is the classic when we were planning our nights out when i was 17 18 or whatever or no maybe even younger 16 and we'd all say you know we're gonna wear jeans and a nice top and like that is yeah. a classic of that time 
and of course my first boyfriend wore Lynx Africa so exactly. like you have tapped into something what I've realized is that I think that we we all have had this is probably getting a bit too deep for it but where this has all come from is that the content seems to come from the last time before we lived our life so overtly on, on online so for example you know there was a time back in in you know, in the mid-noughties where you'd literally upload everything to Facebook and it's like Gareth is feeling meh today or this, that and the other. And then and then as social media grew, everybody became a little bit more polished on there. And I think that I think the one thing that is great about looking back at those times is that yes, we all have all got similar memories, but we probably didn't probably weren't talking about them then because we weren't connected in these online spaces. So, you know, everybody's got a story about Groovy Chick. Everybody's got a story about, you know, drinking too much Mad Dog 2020 and being in a park when they were younger. You know, it's and I think the great thing about this whole meme culture is 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 that it's revisiting those moments and everybody's rediscovering this or, or, or actually discovering that we all had very, very similar situations when we were growing up. Can you tell me the one most sort of glittery aspect of throwing glitter at this turd that was you not knowing what you wanted and really seeking a job that you really wanted but not knowing what that was and then I guess like what is the real glitter here for you? The real glitter is is that through all of these many many years of not really knowing where I should be sitting or what I should or or thinking I should be sitting somewhere else than than I am uh, is that I'm in a really great place now you know I've, I've you know if you'd said to me three years ago that I would have have a book out in WH Smith that would be like boom it'd be like just not even <laughs> fathomable you know I'm sure you know this as well but it's like the glitter is is that I'm I'm really content where 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 I am and and that is actually thinking about it something that I ran away would try to run away from for like nearly 20 years but actually coming back full circle as I mentioned earlier is that is the real glitter in, in in this situation and you know just 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 being around things that are joyful and 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 things that give me joy and and, and people that seek joy as well you know it's 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 a great that's that's the glitter for me is you know it's and it's not necessarily about thinking that you should have this or thinking that you should have this or you should be in this this place or you know if so if anybody you know is, is out there thinking that they should start their small business or you know do this I, I would just say do it because you know it's it, it if you trust your instincts it, it'll it'll lead you to the right place you know from my experience anyway well well done for learning that and what is do you think the one I think you've probably mentioned something in there that you're going to say again now but the one lesson that you think you've learned from and that you would want to share with others is uh, you know about glittering the turd like what what is it that you would want to share the one lesson um yeah it's probably similar to what i just um yeah. is 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 that there is an instinct inside you and 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 i think that i think that there is so many things that will pull us away from that um and just to just to trust that thing whatever it is inside you that whether it's in your belly or in your chest you know i think that that is the the thing that I've learned is to just go with it. You know, I think it's there for a reason. It's that sixth sense. It's that, it's that, um, that thing that tells you, a everything's going, everything's going to be okay. And if it's not, you'll find you'll find the right way and you'll find the right path. I think that would be my my definitive piece of uh, of advice. I think someone's listening to this right now, 
I really needed to hear that. And you probably really needed to hear that back when you were making all these life decisions and then deciding that wasn't the right decision either. Sure. Do you think you needed to find a job, not like it, find another job, not really like it, but learn something from it and then finally yeah. reach that? Because I think there's so many hurdles you have to sometimes jump through to finally go, fuck it. I need, like, trust what I want now. This yeah. is about me and what I want. And I think all of all of the, you know, situations and jobs that I've been in where I've, you know, which 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 have been not great for me personally and 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 led to me feeling like that i've taken something away from from every single one of them which i'm now using you know um in 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 what i do now you know it's you know on the surface hunsnet is memes on instagram and and drag brunches but there's a business underneath it you know there's you know what well, it's there's there's a strategy you know there is a strategy there is a direction it's not just you know shooting in the dark I've got a five-year plan where I want to go and 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 that sort of thing and I would never have been able to put that framework in place without some of the you know the jobs and, and situations that I've been in you know it's it's not just firing in the dark for me it's you know there's there's a very much clear direction and and where I want to go and it's all of those jobs have helped me to sort of, as I mentioned, put that in place. Yeah, you are the result of all of that. Do you think this an item, this could be physical or otherwise, that you think has helped you to glitter your turd? Yeah, I think. Well, I think. I think if I was to choose an item from the past, it would be Heat Magazine because that was my <laughs> heat, ma- heat Magazine. <laughs> heat Magazine. Okay. The old old school yeah. Heat Magazine was was was, was something from the past. Uh-huh. No, I'm joking, but um, no. Do you know what it is? I'm actually um, going to choose my iPhone because I have this thing with my friends. I, I, I very rarely go on a laptop. This, you know, us recording this today is the first time that. I've used a laptop in a while, and my iPhone. Um, I say to my friends, "Is that it's going to make me a billionaire?" And it's this, it's this thing that I'm going to make a billion pounds. Could be a billion, could be a million, whatever. I'm going to be a millionaire just because of this piece of, of what I can do on 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 here. It's it's something which is 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 a bit of a laugh, a bit of a joke uh, with my friends. But I actually, I would love to be in a position. It's not, and it's not just about money, but it's just about that funny thing that I say. Um, that kind of keeps it going. Well, you wouldn't be anywhere without a phone, to be honest, would you? Yeah. Because memes yeah. don't exist without social media. Yeah. So thank goodness for the iPhone. Okay, so now we're going to listen to Sarah, who has glittered their turd. Hey, my name's Sarah. I'm 57. Um, and I lost my beautiful mum to pancreatic cancer 16 years ago when she was just 72. As an only child... Um, I didn't have any support before or after her death and I felt it was really not great to speak to my dad about it as he'd just lost his wife. Um, I always vowed later on in life, hopefully when I had more time, that I would try and do something on a voluntary basis to help people like myself at the time who needed that help. So I did a counselling course at college, just a basic one, and I've started working as a volunteer bereavement counsellor at the Rowan's Hospice in Portsmouth, which is our local hospice. And now I speak to clients on the phone or face-to-face on a fortnightly basis and really feel like I'm making a difference. So out of my horrible time, I feel like I'm doing something worthwhile and giving something back. So there, that's my story. Thank you, Chris. She sounds lovely. Does she sound like a hun? She does sound like a hun, yeah. Yeah, because we have um, we have um, uh, I sort of categorised in the book what different types of hun 
are. And I, she sounds yes. like Hun royalty. Less about Hun royalty. She's got the Prosecco yeah. in the she's, fridge ready, She's got the Prosecco in the, in the fridge and she's, she's always, always, always ready there to, um, you know, sort of give the advice and, you know, with her counselling, you know, a yeah. big part about being a Hun is, is being able to give people good advice and getting them around when their boyfriend's finishing with, <laughs> finished with them. So, yeah, definitely. That sounds a great, great story. Yeah, it was amazing. And I think to, you know, we're we're all inevitably going to lose someone in our lives, and and for her to kind of go, well, I didn't maybe get the support I needed at that time, but I can see the value in it. And oh, I love colleges and the evening classes that you can do in colleges because you can learn so many cool things. And now that she's turned that into a volunteer job, is very very cool. So thank you, Sarah, for sharing that story carry on the good work thanks gareth this has been a revelation and it's been a lot of fun <laughs> a revelation to you. and <laughs> of course missed that trip <laughs> and thanks for you know bringing this book into my life as well and making me chuckle about i don't know like blow up chairs in my room and good things that have made me smile and i think that's what we need isn't it a bit more of definitely one last thing have you got a drink nearby It'd be amazing if you had Prosecco, but I know you probably don't at this time. It's, it's, well, do you know what? It's, it is a Thursday. You know, the weekend starts early. <laughs> so let's cheers to your turd, my turd, all the turds of the world. <laughs> cheers. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on. Go out there all hands blazing. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine contentment being the real glitter. I personally love that something seemingly innocuous like satisfaction can be what you're most glad about finding. I'm a big fan of simple joys, so Gareth reaching this conclusion made me super happy. And do you know what else made me super happy? That he now knows that you can trust that everything will be fine. This isn't, you know, obviously not a revolutionary thought or lesson. So many of my podcast guests have actually said the same thing. And I'm actually quite glad. I think we humans have been doing life for a very long time. So of course there are themes in our suffering and themes in our overcoming and our revelations. And it reinforces to me that we're not alone in any turdy situation and we're not alone when we reach the glittery parts, which I think is pretty cool. If you haven't already, you should obviously follow Hunsnet on Instagram so you get all the lols and Alison Hammond appreciation posts in your life. Also, I really think Gareth would want us all to play Share, Believe in our ears next and sing aloud proudly. I think I'm actually going to do that now. Anyway, thanks Gareth for the honesty and the chat. Thanks to Sarah, our new Hun of Huns. And also thanks to my producer, Neil, who is brilliant and great. And of course, you guys, you are also brilliant and great. I'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.